Reading Glasses, a show about book culture and literary life designed to help you read better. I'm writer, filmmaker, and book devourer, Mallory O'Mara. And I'm Bria Grant, actress, filmmaker, and e-reader. This episode, we're talking about books that have changed our lives and interviewing author, comedian, and podcaster, Guy Branham. But first... What are you reading, Bria? Mallory, I'm going to talk about a book I'm not reading right now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually really excited to hear what you think okay. about this book. Um, I read it while I was... So I was out of town for three weeks, and I read it there, and I didn't get to talk about it on this show because I was out of town and we didn't record and chaos, but I talked about it on another podcast I did called Shockwaves, Mm -hmm. Um, and I feel like I got a lot of feedback from that, so I thought I should talk about it on our show. It's called Horror Store, and it has like umlauts over the O of store, I think. Yes. Um, It's by Grady Hendrix. Yes. And it's it's like scary Ikea, right? Yeah. It's like these people... Who work at, it's not Ikea. It's like an off, like an offshoot of Ikea. It's like a Ikea-like it's, store. Yeah. I think, because Ikea probably. But you probably, can't use real Ikea. I don't know. I always wonder about that. But, um, yeah, they didn't, he didn't use real Ikea probably to save himself the, the pain of you being sued by Ikea. Pa- Ikea coming down on you. Ikea, they serve you with a shloom lot or something. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they call their. Suing papers. They um, bury you in all of the screws that are left over from all of their bookshelves. So true. They just like they're like you can get out of this if you just can find that one little Allen wrench thingy. They to put <laughs> if you can put this together thing. The, this kitchen table in five minutes. <laughs> we won't. We won't murder. Yeah, you. it's not a kitchen table. It's a Schlerman. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, it's about people who are, uh, work at an IKEA-like store, and um, it is. It's haunted, and they get, and it's like one night, and all these. That's crazy where all the extra happen. screws are going. The yep. ghosts are taking them. It's crazy, and all these crazy things are happening to them, and it's pretty scary. And I read it and really enjoyed it, and I think I read it in like two days because I just thought it was like so fascinating. And also, I don't want to say you everyone has been in an IKEA, but at least you have like an idea of what an IKEA is, and it is really fun to picture the horror movie happening when they're like, you know, oh no, not the, and he has funny words for all of the things, and it's great. Awesome. Yeah. It's amazing. What are you reading? I'm super excited. Uh, do you ever have a moment where you there's a sequel to a book that you didn't even realize existed and you realize that it's out and you're like, I have to buy this right now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I talked about it recently on the show. There's a book that I'm crazy obsessed with, uh, How to Build a Girl by Caitlin Moran. Um, and weirdly, How to Build a Girl was my gateway to feminism, which is really interesting to me. Cause, so I read, it's a novel um, that like takes place in England. It's a coming of age story about this 16 year old girl who becomes a music writer. Uh, I'm, I'm crazy about it. And I love the book so much. And I wanted to read more of Caitlin Moran's stuff. And she is a British writer. Uh, she writes a lot about feminism. So I bought her book, how to be, how, uh, how to be a woman or how to build a woman, something about being a woman. Got it. And it co- totally was like, cha- like that was my gateway into feminism. And I, I don't agree with everything that Caitlin Moran says. I think her, her feminism isn't as intersectional as it, as it should be. But I still adore her. And the other day I was looking on her Twitter and it was talking about um, this book, How to Be Famous. Hmm. And uh, I looked at it and I was like, oh, she's gonna, she has a new book coming out. And I didn't realize it's already out. And it's a sequel to How to Build a Girl ah. about her like a, a year after the events of the first book. And I'm, I'm like a fourth of the way through. I already love it. It's hilarious. It is so good. If you like Caitlin Moran, if you like How to Build a Girl, you have to get this book. 
So we want to take a moment to share some listener feedback. Claire wrote in, A few months ago, I finally achieved a dream I didn't know I had. I got my name on the back of a book as a reviewer. This Void Beckons is one of those rare works of poetry that has, in my humble opinion, the ability to captivate the reader from the first page until the very last. I was wondering if you can give a shout-out to AJ's book event at the last bookstore in L.A. She'll be reading on August 12th at 6 p.m. We'll put, I'll, I'll find that event page and put a link to it in the show notes. I think we should always be able... Last Bookstore, we love them. We just did an event there. Um, thank you, everyone, for came to our event. Yeah, was that was we had so much fun. It was cool meeting some people. Sean got to see some of his adoring fans. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we, we definitely... If you're doing a, an event at the Last Bookstore, let us know, and we'll definitely shout that out for sure. Definitely. Lisbeth wrote in and said, I suppose it's kind of judgmental to report someone else's wheelhouse, but my colleague has been telling me about how she just loves Amish fiction. She said that she loves being transported to rural rural places when she reads, and she knows Amish books will get her there. I had no idea this was a genre and felt like I had to share. I had no idea either. No, but— Are Amish people allowed to read books? Yes. Oh, because the Bible's a book. Also, a book does not involve, like, electricity. Yeah. Oh, they can't e-read. They cannot sad. e-read. That's I, sad for the you know Amish. What? I'm making a bunch of assumptions about Amish people. I don't know I'm only, I don't know anything except one time I watched a— uh, for Richard Poor about Rumspring. Oh, I watched that movie with for Richard Poor with Tim Allen and somebody else. Sean is laughing at us. <laughs> Kirstie Alley. Kirstie. Oh, they pretend the rich shitty people pretend to be Amish to escape some oh, situation. Sure, sure, sure. Man. Yeah, they're either drug dealers or they they're trying to avoid tax it's fraud. It's like Sister Act for Amish people. Kind of. Yeah. And they, yeah, they have a fun time with the Amish. That's, the, that's definitely the pitch. I, I did, really, I, I actually emailed Lizbeth back and I'm hoping that her colleague will give us some book recommendations because I really want to read an Amish book. Yeah. Amish people are the ones that I feel like maybe because they don't listen to podcasts, one is probably listening now, that I, <laughs> or, or any sort of media that people make fun of them still and it's probably not cool to do. Yeah, I mean. You thing. know, we do things like richer for poor. I guess we aren't making that movie anymore. No, we're not. Anyway, there's this documentary I watched. It was pretty good. <laughs> anyway. Also, guys, we have a very exciting. Oh, this is so important update. Very important update. I came, last time I came over, I like ran. I was like, Bria, you remember that couple? Yeah. So, oh. so guys, remember that reader advice segment where me and Bria got in a really big relationship talk over that couple where the guy was giving away the woman's books? Yeah. They're getting married. Somebody's getting married. So first off, congratulations from us. Uh, So Amanda wrote in, uh, my boyfriend and I got engaged. Update. Yay. Both of us have decided that we're not having kids, though. I know that questions about kids will start soon and it's making me anxious. I want to tell people that it's none of their damn business and I know this will not go over well and I'm afraid that this will make them want to debate with me. Mallory, I know that you also don't want kids. Can you suggest some reading materials? I think I would feel better if I had some prepared arguments and I don't want to get blinded. I don't want to get blindsided by trash babies. So first off, yes, congratulations on behalf of Reading Glasses. Yeah, very cool. We're very excited that you guys are getting married and you've solved your book problems and you'll have a lovely bookish marriage. Um, First off, you can totally tell people it's not their business. It definitely isn't. And they need to know that. I feel like like there needs to be some people in the world who like stand up to these people and say like, hey, it's totally not your business. Yeah, that's true. I think... I think people a lot of times, well, I know this is your question, but I do think sometimes people are just trying to make conversation because I feel like because I've been engaged for a very long time and people are like, well, when are you getting married? And that could be a sensitive subject for a lot of people. Yeah. And so I I just always like, oh, probably never. And I make a joke. (laughs) Like (laughs) like, that is like sort of because I feel like that's just people think about life steps and it's usually someone's aunt who's just trying to be friendly to me. And I I get Uh, it. I get it. You know, like 
I, whatever, you're allowed to be offended or, or whatever you feel. But the, And this is your question, but now I'm having an opinion about it. No, it's fine. But I do think that, yeah, there's definitely books out there that can help you with this question, too. Well, I no, I'm sort of, I, I guess I kind of also agree with that because I feel like they're totally allowed to ask, but you're also totally allowed to be yeah. like, hey, this is none of your business. Yeah, or, yeah, you know where, look, this is what boundary, boundaries are when you know. Boundaries, no one else knows your boundaries. Like, yes. you can't explain them to people, so you just have to show people. I like to look people in the eye and gesture at all my cats and be like, what are you talking about? I have seven children. <laughs> And look really offended. These are my children. What if you just got inanimate objects? And oh, yeah. like just like pots and pans. And you're like, these are all my kids. Oh, that, like I could totally say that about my books. Uh, but my Amanda. Nuts, I'm just like, these are my children. Yeah, <laughs> all your snacks. Uh, so, but for further backup, I have two recommendations. I think you should A, read Committed by Elizabeth Gilbert, uh, who is also childless by choice. And I just read that. It's all, it's about her decision to get remarried because she kind of, ha- I think I talked about it on the show. She has to get married for because uh, her boyfriend lives uh, in Bali uh, and he's an Australian citizen um, so they have to get married if they want to stay together but she's uh, she's childless by choice and she talks a lot about that in the book uh, and also another book I talked about on the show uh, Shallow, Selfish, and Self-Absorbed an uh, anthology edited by Megan Dom uh, it's just a anthology of essays about from writers about not having children and it is really really helpful I think it would be really great when we get to a moment in society, which hopefully we will get to, where it's just, like, normal that some people don't have children and don't yeah. get married. And that's not a big deal. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like, that's not, like, people just have different kinds of relationships. It's totally well, normal that be a great to, like, place? have a partner and you two, both of you guys live together and you have seven cats. And it's like, <laughs> that's just your life. Maybe you have a ball pit in your house. Who could say? We yeah. don't know who we're talking about. It's not specific. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just live in a big, weird art space full of cat hair and never going to have kids or live a normal life. It's totally fine. <laughs> Uh, so you can always email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. And before we talk about life-changing books, we're going to take a quick break. Maximum Fun's new sci-fi comedy podcast, Bubble, is coming to San Diego Comic-Con on July 21st. At 1 p.m., Bubble cast members Travis McElroy, Cristela Alonzo, Eliza Skinner, Allison Becker, Mike Mitchell, Jordan Morris, and Danielle Radford will be signing autographs. Tickets are required, but free. Then at 5 p.m., the cast will participate in a panel moderated by Jesse Thorne, held at the San Diego Central Library. For more information, visit MaximumFun.org SDCC. We're talking about some very special books. Sometimes you get a book when you really need it and it helps you make or maybe not make a big decision. Sometimes you get a book when you didn't even know you needed it and it helps you figure something out. Almost everyone has at least one book that's changed their lives, no matter what genre it is. Bria, has there been a fiction book that's changed your life? You know, I thought about this for a long time because I was like, what was the first like sci-fi or fantasy book I read? And I honestly like don't know. I, I It may have been like Banicula or something. Like I like was trying to think of something Cows. from my childhood because I was like, obviously like that was a big like game changer for me. But I couldn't think of what it was. My mom probably knows. Um, but I think books can change your life in sort of different ways. Oh, totally. So, for example, I didn't know that I liked comics until I picked up Grant Morrison's The Invisibles. And I was already in college, and I was—I just didn't know much about comic books 
And I, it was such a rad book that I was like, oh, I like comics. Like, I had no idea that there were comics like this that had, like, political stuff and, like, cool characters. Mm-hmm. And they were, you know, like, like trans characters and people that, like, I didn't know were going to be in comic books. I thought comic books were, were Superman. You know? And so now I read comics. I write comics. Comics are part of, like, my daily existence. They're part of my identity. That my part of my friend groups. Like, I mean, my community. I feel like I'm involved in the comic book community. Like, that book really changed not just like there wasn't like a message that changed my life so much is that I it like opened the door to where I was like, oh, wow, this is a gateway book. Like this, this is a book in which now I know I I like comic books. You know, it's weird. My first comic that made me think that was also a Grant Morrison comic. It was We Three. Oh, We Three. We Three is a great one. My friend Charles Meyer, who does the Miskatonic Musings podcast, uh, got like for the longest time. I've been friends with Charles for a really, really long time. And you're like. I don't even know how many years ago it was. He was like, no, no, no. I think you really will like comics. And I was like, no, I don't like superheroes. And he bought me We Three and mailed it to me. Um, and I was like, oh, wait, no. I actually can like this stuff. PSA, buy your friends comics. Yeah. I do think that it is like you have – because I never would have bought that. I was just at my brother's house, and I, I was actually at my brother's house in D.C. for the last Women's March, which was however many years ago. Wow. 20- I don't know how old I am. 15 years ago or something. There was a big women's march and I went there and I stayed with him and I found that and I started reading it and then I was like, oh, I really like this. Like I didn't know this was like something I would be into. Yeah, um, so yeah, that was like a that that was like a big change for me. Okay, what about you? So what uh, what um what fiction books really It's weird because mine's also comic book related. Oh, that's weird. Uh although well, I will say there have been a bunch of fiction books that have uh been really, really important to me. Uh but the the most salient one that I can think of is um Bitch Planet, written by Kelly Sue DeConnick oh, yeah. with art by Val Delandro. Um, I read it four years ago, I want to say. Um, well, at the time, I was in therapy for some really intense like body dysmorphia issues, eating disorder issues. And issue three of the first volume, there's a scene uh, that has to do with a character loving the way that they look. And it was just put, you know, when there's just like... I think we talked about this on our self help self help episode where there's just like there's all kinds of advice out there, but sometimes you just need to have it put in the right way that it makes sense to you. And this scene was just put in a certain way that made such complete sense to me at the time, and it made everything that my therapist had been trying to teach me just like sink in. It, so it combined with all that therapy, and it helped me overcome being bulimic. Oh wow! That's like amazing. it just like it was like a magical like a ray of sun came out of the, that comic book, and I was like oh, wow, I don't have to live like this. That's and it, like, literally completely changed my life. That's interesting that both of ours are comic books. I wonder if, like, the medium of comic books, like, is just because it's so different than what you're used to reading growing up. Like, I'm not reading a, a traditional fictional, like, word-on-page book. <laughs> word-on-page. <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, like, a traditional book like that. So maybe those, like, memories of comics are just so much more deeply ingrained in us or something or they hit our brains in a different way i don't know it's funny when i was answering this question i was like i know there's other books fiction books but this comics were the only thing i could think of how strange is that interesting yeah yeah i have i have a few fiction books uh, and i i I chose to talk about bitch planet because the, the fiction books that changed my life we talked about during the um books as um, therapy episode. Oh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, but yeah, those the, I, I've had books, but yeah, this the comic. I, maybe just seeing it, like literally yeah. seeing it, did something to me. It just shows like the power of of pictures. I think in some ways, and like and representation as well, and things that like you know yeah. that it's when you see these kind of things reflected back at you in this. 
I don't know, drawn way. This is not a complete thought, but uh, <laughs> I do think it is an interesting, it's interesting that we both chose that. Uh, have there been any nonfiction books that changed your life? I've talked about this a bunch on the show, like I feel like already, which is Bell Hooks is All About Love. It's a book that like I read in college. It made me think about feminism and um, really making the personal, like how the personal is political and how your relationships have political aspects to them and are are part of a larger political world and I always say I read it when I'm like trying to break up with somebody or when I'm starting a new relationship I don't think I've read it in a lot in a while but it is I like, read it because you told me to read and it, it kind of it like, was really good I mean look I don't know like it came out however many years ago 20 years ago or something like that but I, I think it's a really that book really made me think I think up until that point I got to college and I really loved to read everything about feminism and then I found Bell Hooks and her stuff her writing is so personal and it really yeah. has a lot of her personal stuff in it and that made me go Oh, I can do these things that like these these personal aspects of my life also have like politics about them. Yeah, you know what I mean. Um, so I also think there was just books that like I read that like everyone probably read, and I was like, these changed my life. But I think they changed it like Lean In. Like I can't even like I think Lean In like is an amazing book, and it's not amazing for everybody. I've read criticism about it that I was like, yeah, I, I I understand that criticism, but for me, I am like from like a small southern town and like learning to like put myself like at the table and put myself out there is like something that I feel like I still am learning on like a daily basis and that was like a really important sort of nonfiction book what about you Mallory what are there any nonfiction books that have changed your life yeah I have a bunch of these um Lynch on Lynch uh surprising nobody (laughs) ever um is a collection. It's a collection of interviews that Chris Rodley did with David Lynch, and a lot of the stuff in there changed me as a creator and made me a braver filmmaker and a braver writer. Everyone, if you listen to the show, if you were ever around, interact with me for more than five seconds, you know that I'm obsessed with David Lynch, and um, I love his work. I love his films. I love his art. Um, but like, I also just love the process. He's so. I'm such an anxious person, and I'm such an obsessive planner that this idea that this guy enters these creative spaces and just sort of figures it out on the fly and like welcomes um change and welcomes um spontaneity and it's just sort of like oh I didn't this is a problem but maybe we'll run with it or oh I never thought about this let's just try this and like let's just totally make this up as we go like that's such a revolutionary idea to me that like my copy of Lynch on Lynch is it took me a year to read it oh wow because I would read a page like you guys know I'm fast Mallory reads too (laughs) well I would read one like one or two pages per night before bed and like highlight it and just like digest it overnight and it really like same with I mean catching the big fish his book on creativity I have the audiobook of it I have a hard copy of it uh just completely changed the way that I I write and like I'm such an outliner normally and, and like I've been trying to get better about when I make um because me and my partner uh we're working on a couple of films right now and I'm trying to like embrace the uh the spontaneity and the um not being crazy planning and it really has helped me um this is why we work well together because I'm not I'm not a crazy planner <laughs> but, I, that, but like for me that's what I need that because if not if it's just me then everything will be like militantly planned right and I need someone to help me plan things because otherwise I'll be like it'll be fine we'll just do everything on the fly yeah. like it'll be perfect <laughs> and I'm like gonna uh, happen in the moment no, I have to plan it all out uh also uh come as you are by em- Emily Nagoski uh it's funny if I was on our show if you if we were interviewing me okay. this is the book I've gifted to the most people oh really oh, I probably bought almost 20 copies of this book for people oh, wow. um it come as you are is a book that's all about female sexuality but it's 
way more than that. It's also about like how to deal with stress and how to like communicate in relationships. And it has, it's probably the book that's done the most good for me, not even just like making my sex life better, but like changing the way I looked at stress, deal with stress. It's amazing. Uh, and also, tiny- but it's spelled C O M E. Yeah. Not C U M. Well, yeah, but they like they didn't want to shelve it in the dirty section. <laughs> But I just feel like that would have been a better pun. I mean, I'm not going to call her out, but I just feel like that if I was to rename your book. Well, the cover of it is a, like it's very vaginal. Okay, all right. So okay, fair. There's there's enough like wink, wink, nudge, nudge for you. And also uh, Tiny Beautiful Things by Cheryl Strayed that I, I've talked about on the show before. It changed the way I am with the people that I love. Um, it's a collection of her Dear Sugar column. Oh, yeah. So it's like a bunch of it's people asking for really. You read that really- recently. Uh, I reread it recently. Oh, oh. I've read it a couple of times, but it's people asking in these like really intense personal situations. And the advice she gives is amazing. And it made me braver. It made me, uh, as an anxious person, I would always be like, I can't tell them how I feel. What if they stab me in the face? And I'm much better about being really brave in relationships and tell people how I feel. Um, hey, how come all like all, uh, movie like makers and stuff all their uh biographies are called like somebody on somebody like why is it i feel like there's a ton like that like yeah. lynch on lynch yeah is they're, just told they're talking about themselves yeah because it just could be called like lynch oh. talks about himself <laughs> i guess that's boring <laughs> i think it's a, actually a book series omera on omera oh grant on grant but that could be your brother interviewing it sounds you like, hey, that could be my brother and me or it could be incest porn <laughs> oh no on that note, Moving Bria, <laughs> have any books changed your life for the worse? I've talked about this before, and I hate to call this book out, but I was at a pretty dark moment in my life when I tried to do the artist way, and I felt like it did not work for me, and I feel like I should revisit it. Um, the other book I was going to say, this is a weird like milestone book, but I read this book called A Highly Sensitive Person. Do you know about these kind of people? No. So there are people who, it's a great book if you're a highly sensitive person or if you have one in your life. Um, It's about people who, it's a category of person who like, they're just more sensitive to outward um, uh, things. So like noises bother them more. Smells they're more sensitive to. Like everything bothers them a little bit more. And so like if you're around a person, they're like, God, that dog's driving me crazy. And you're like, I hardly hear that dog. That person is just like more attuned to these problems. They're more sensitive to them. Very much the name of the book. But I read this book a few years ago when I was in a relationship and one of my friends told me recently and and she was right. Or I think, I don't remember who told me. No, he was right. So one of my friends told me recently and he was right. He was like, I knew there was something going, I knew that you had sort of lost yourself in this relationship because you were trying to fix it by reading books about him, but he would never read a book about you. Like, and so I was like, Very I had cute. like diagnosed him and I was like, here's what you are. You're a highly sensitive person and we're going to work on this. I'm going like, to start barking it. Stop barking it. Yeah. You and he like, didn't read dog. the book and he didn't read any books about me. And I was reading all these relationship books at the time, like trying to like figure out how to fix mm, my relationship. We've all been, been there. Yeah. And, and the, I mean, look, I don't think, I think you, it's great to read relationship books and it's great to work on your relationship. But if you were reading a book about a person and they would never take the time Maybe not to read a book about you, but even to learn a thing or two about you or or to read a book about you. Dump them. I think it's not a great relationship. And no. I hate to say that blanketly, but blanketly. <laughs> That's an adjective. Sure. Uh, an adverb. Um, uh, but my friend said this to me and he was like, 
this that's when I knew like things were so going you had just given up on like yourself and you were just moving trying to fix him because you were like you had like just given yourself and kind of lost yourself in this relationship and I thought it was really good wish he had told me at the time but it's fine it's always not it's not always sometimes we have to work things out ourselves um but anyway so yeah that was a book that I feel like it, it wasn't like the book is bad the book is great and if you are a person like that or you think you have one of those people in your life it helped me to understand him a lot but there are a lot of other things going on. <laughs> it just was like a marker. Does yeah. that make sense? Like a good marker for me? Yeah. Uh, what about you? Uh, Chuck Palahniuk's Haunted uh, gave me a permanent fear, fear of pool filtration systems, and I refuse to elaborate on that. Oh, my God. I want to know so bad about no, this. No, you don't, Bria. But I feel like Look you can't at me. reveal it. Do not read this book. You will be pool very filtrations. upset. filtrations. So when I was younger, I had a major fear of being caught in a um, filter of a hot tub. Don't read this book. It will ruin. Does it have hair? Hair getting called in a filter. It's worse. This is like a, like it's a, so like much a urban worse. Legend. No, it's so much worse than that. What is it? No, I'm not going to tell you. you if like, I tell you, you're going to be like Mallory. I'm mad. Why did you tell me that? Okay, I don't want to know. You don't want to know. All right, I don't know. If if just I like Chuck Palahniuk. I've read many of his other books. Taunted is the only book of his that I've ever started and couldn't finish, and has permanently changed my life for the worse. God. All right. So uh, yeah, I, and I'm not going to talk about it anymore because it, it's horrible. So. Uh, I feel like we're going to get a lot of feedback from this episode, so we could do a full feedback episode, yeah. maybe. Yeah, please, guys, write in and tell us what books changed your life. You can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Before we talk to Guy Branham, we're going to take a quick break. Hi, this is J. Keith Van Stratton, host of Go Fact Yourself here on the Maximum Fun Network. On Go Fact Yourself, we take the smartest people we know and make them look dumb. Paul, oh, by the way, how much do you know about chicken husbandry? You gotta give them that grain. <laughs> All right. You gotta give them that grain. And then smart again. What future Hall of Fame pitcher for the Cleveland Indians became the first active player to enlist? Bob Feller. When- oh, okay. <laughs> We've got me... Co-host Helen Hong, plus celebrity guests and actual surprise experts. In the coming weeks, you can hear guests like Maria Bamford, Tom Bergeron, Paul F. Tompkins, Janet Varney, and Grant Imahara. And if you're in the New York area, come check us out live. We're doing two shows there on July 21st and July 22nd. Go to GoFactorPod.com for tickets and more. We'll see you in New York or on the first and third Friday of every month here on the Maximum Fun Network. So we are here right now with Guy Branham, host of Talk Show, The Game Show, and author of the book, My Life as a Goddess. Thanks for coming on, Guy. Thank you very much for having me. I'm excited to, to talk to you guys. Guy, what are you reading right now? Um, currently, um, I am reading, I'm rereading The Joy Luck Club because I do a thing with my niece. My niece is 16 years old. She's about to be a senior in high school. Uh, and I'm always uh, being judgmental and critical of what her school isn't doing for her. So this summer, we're reading a bunch of books together so we can talk about them. Um, and uh, for myself, uh, I'm I'm reading We Are Never Meeting in Real Life by Samantha Irby. Ugh, I love that book so much. Uh, th- yeah, I never <laughs> – I didn't really read that many sort of like uh, – humorous essay books except for the ones who were like by people i knew and i had to read them and it wasn't until i finished my book that i was just like oh my god i need to know what everybody else is doing and so i've been doing a lot of reading those which is pretty silly i should have read them before i wrote my book no i think it's good they didn't influence what you wrote (laughs) yeah but i mean what (laughs) 
Like, you should at least know the lay of the land before you start making decisions. I mean, the, the two books that people told me to read um, were uh, Chuck. Which of the Chucks wrote um, Sex, Drugs, and Cocoa Puffs? Is that Polyniuk or Klosterman? You know what? It's lost on us. Yeah. No, it was terrible. It was a boy book. Like, it was really, like, there's an, a long essay about how no one in rom-coms is being real. They just, like, pissed me off. Uh, and then Bad Feminist, which was really good. Amazing. Can you tell us about your upcoming book? Yeah. So my uh, my book is called My Life as a Goddess. Um, and it's basically a memoir, um, but, like, through essays about the popular culture that were unpopular culture, a lot of it... <laughs> A lot of it is people stuff people aren't that into um, that sort of like guided me through understanding myself. Um, so like I have a chapter that talks about um, like being fat and how sort of like media shaped my understanding of that, but also how Tracy Turnblatt is the greatest fat character in Western literature. Um, or I talk about my relationship to my dad through his favorite movie, the man who shot Liberty Valance. So that's the basic idea. That sounds amazing. And people should pre-order it right now. Yes. When is it out? Uh, it comes out on July 31st. Please pre-order it today um, because you want to get all those first week sales. So you can technically say you're a New York Times bestselling author. The people who listen to our show, they know. They know to go pre-order. Um, like, uh, you know, I think it's a funny book. I think it is um, an honest book. Uh, it's, um, you know, the people who have read it so far have been very, very kind about it. And so uh, I'm hoping more people enjoy it. So, Guy, this episode is all about books that have changed our lives. Are there any books that have changed your life for the better? Um, I would say, like, the first book that really changed me um, was from the mixed-up files of Mrs. Basilie Frankweiler. Hell yeah. Uh, just because it was an adventure book that centered on intellectual curiosity. And I just, like, didn't know that that was possible. One, a cool thing is that I had a sister who was five years older, so there were all of these books just sort of, like, laying around the house that uh, I sort of, like, picked up um, when I was too young that, like, weren't for me. Um, and that was the one that really made me like step back and say like, Hey, wait, I could become sophisticated. Like, <laughs> um, if I pay, if I pay attention to things, I could solve art mysteries. I mean, that's the dream for all of us. It really is. Is there a book you read later in life that you feel you wish you could go back and give to your younger self? Um, that's a really good question. Uh, I, I'm i mad at myself that I waited as long as I did to start reading Joan Didion. Um, and, like, uh, slouching, slouching Towards Bethlehem is, of course, great. Um, but I think where I was from, her book of essays about California, um, were really important for me uh, in just sort of, like, starting to understand where I, I was from. Um and more than anything, though, I mean, actually, I think this is in Girl of the Golden West, which is in um, Slouching Towards Bethlehem. But her just sort of describing the placelessness of Northern California, like the Central Valley of Northern California around Sacramento, um, and sort of explaining why there isn't the sense of community there that you have in, like, um, 
the Midwest and stuff were answers to questions I had had my whole life that I didn't know I had. And then also, have either of you guys ever read Roland Barthes' Mythologies? I have not, no. No. Okay, so um, Roland Barthes' Mythologies, it's the best goddamn book you'll ever get. It's super, super thin, and it is just, like, close readings of things from, like, he's writing in France in the 1950s. So it's just, like, shit in your life in France in the 1950s. Steak and chips. Plastic toys. Um, food photography in Elle magazine. And he just, over the course of like two and a half pages, pulls them apart and explains what they are doing culturally. Um, And it was just, I mean, I I read that relatively early. I read that when I was in college, so I probably got that when I needed it. Um, But that like, uh, it really opened me up for looking at the world. That's awesome. Yeah, and, and like maybe like swimming pool library, you know, something like a nice, good gay or no, not swimming pool library, fucking Morris. Morris was um Forster's like gay novel. Um and it's like really surprising to have this like super, super like Edwardian British guy writing about a kind of dumb gay guy. Um, which you, you don't get a lot of, like, he's a, he's a boring, like, businessman, um, and who, like, figures out that he's gay, and that is the thing that saves him, um, and I think that that could have, if, uh, if I had known enough to actually read that when I was 18 years old, it could have helped me out. You have been dropping a lot of books we don't know, which we are very impressed by. It's amazing. So is there a book that has either helped you make or not make a decision in life? That is a really interesting question. Um, I mean, I think the Didion line, um, like, character means uh, saying that anything worth having has a cost, um, was, like, really important to me. Um, uh, I think, like, Maxine Hong Kingston's... uh, the woman warrior like really helped me sort of like think in terms of internalizing the person I want to be. Um, and like, you know, (laughs) trying to ignore the forces that are pushing me around as much as possible. I don't know that I have a good answer to this. I think those are really good answers. And that quote, I mean, that quote just really touched me. It's such a great quote. No, it's, it's a, it's a fucking great line. Uh, in a really great essay, an essay where she's like tearing herself apart while at the same time sort of like, um, you know, conveying, she's conveying such great wisdom while calling herself an idiot. And that's uh, um, really appealing. Yeah. Wow. So tell us a little bit about yourself and your reading life. Do you have any reading quirks you'd like to share with us? Oh, uh, that is interesting. When I am... Um, like upset or have too much going on in my life. Uh, nonfiction is what I want and need. Like I was just talking about this on pop rock on my podcast, but like um, a gig- there are times in my life when I like um, a novel might be too much for me. And I just want to take down like a huge book about um, uh, like Prussian history or, like, a historical biography, and that's, 
like what I'm I'm really in for. Also, I will read anything by any of the Midford sisters. Um, like only Jessica and um and uh Nancy were were sort of like successful authors. Do you guys know who the Mitford sisters were? No. Okay, so there are these like um these British like aristocracy girls. There were six girls and they had a brother and he died in World War II. And the girls all ended up having semi-fabulous lives except for Pam. Like uh two of them were fascists, one of them was a communist, one of them wrote like humorous novels about their upbringing and the other one became the Duchess of Devonshire. Um and the thing is is like their letters to each other are so good because they are the meanest cattiest people and they are constantly fighting with each other but also with this level of intimacy that's so wonderful where you understand like yes it is about communism and fascism but it's also just about why Decca and diana don't like each other um <laughs> and their letters i mean the <laughs> the wonderful thing is that at the end of the day all of their letters are equally funny like the ones who became co- like comic novelists are funny, but also so are the ones who hung out with Hitler. That's amazing. Holy shit. So, Guy, is there a book that you love to give to people? Uh, um, yes. I mean, uh, like, oh, uh, Salman Rushdie had this, had this book of, um, had this book of, like, fairy tales that was, like, just beautiful and i would i used to give that to people a lot i also am a big fan of uh, a collection of basho haiku just because like we take haiku like so for granted and they're lovely they're we've we've turned it into an exercise for eight-year-olds instead of understanding it as like this thing buddhist monks did to like pay tribute to their world that's <laughs> true very true. I have vivid memories of writing haikus about like Capri Suns in school. <laughs> but like I would say I would say the the books that I've ended up giving to people most are Margaret Atwood's Cat's Eye, because uh, I think when it comes to Atwood we all pay attention to the handmaid's tale. Um and Cat's Eye Cat's Eye is just f- like fascinating. Um and then uh uh The Pursuit of Love, which is Na- Nancy Mitford's first like real good book. Um, and I've given that to a lot of people and then Midnight's Children, which isn't for everyone. Um, but I think if you really are up to it, it's kind of one of the biggest and greatest things I've ever read. I have to say, this has been such an eclectic group of books you've named. It's awesome. The best recommendation interview we've done. Oh, that's, that's wonderful. So Guy, we will put the pre-order link in the show notes, but where can we find you online? Oh, online, I'm at Guy Branham on Twitter and on Instagram and everywhere. I'm at Guy Branham. Awesome. Thanks for joining us. Oh, thanks so much for having me. Now it's time to answer a bookish question from one of our listeners. Kay writes in, when you're reading, do you ever hear the characters talking in the voices of real life people? Usually when I read, I do not hear individual voices for the characters, but occasionally I will start to hear a character's dialogue in a voice that is familiar from TV, movies, or podcasts. It's kind of fun when it happens. I just finished reading the latest collected volume of Hawkeye, and Kate Bishop started talking in Bria's voice. Bria, you make a great Hawkeye. Oh man, if they ever do a version, an audio version of that, please tell them I'm ready and I'm very cheap. Um, do you do this, Bria? Uh, yeah. I mean, you know when I think I do it? 
I think I do it when I have, when the people have an accent. So, like, as mm-hmm. an actor, like, my downfall is that I'm terrible at accents. <laughs> I think you're good at accents. No, you have not heard me do accents. What have you heard me do? Mm. No, you haven't. And maybe a joke accent where I'll be like, oh, like, I'll, like, do a dumb one because I know I can't do a real one. So, like, if I, like, I don't know if I've ever booked a role which was, like, I had to do an accent in. But I have to work on it so much more than, like, any other material. Like, I have to learn it in an accent and I will hire an accent coach. Like, I go, like, all out because I know that I'm, like, not great at accents. So, when I, I think sometimes when I'm reading a book, I'll hear that person talking, which is weird because... I don't feel like I can do accents, but if I'm doing it in another person's voice in my head, I can hear the accent. Especially if it's written in, like, dialect, you know, like yeah, a real, yeah. like, like proper British or something like that. Yeah. That's the only time I do it. Otherwise, I think it's just this, like, monotone Bria voice in my head. I'm not really sure what I read on. I'm Bria Grant. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just a very steady voice. What about you? No, I don't. It's Now that I think about it, it's weird that I don't do this, but I don't. I never hear characters' voices. It probably uh, doesn't help that I'm always listening to music when I'm reading or Alan is playing video games or it's like something, some sort of noise thing is happening in the background. I'm very rarely reading in the quiet. Um, the only time I ever make an effort to do it, like I have to consciously do it. I will never unconsciously do it uh, is when an author really makes a point of describing the accent. Not even if it's just like, oh, there's like if I'm reading a book that takes place in England, like I don't have like English accents in my head. Uh, but if a a uh, writer really, really, like, makes a point of talking about it. Like, in the Douglas Preston and Lin- Lincoln Child's Pendergast series, mm. the main character, Pen- Pendergast, has a very specific type of southern accent, so I will try to do it. Because it's, like, written in that dialect. You yeah, mean. that's if, yeah. if the dialogue is in a very specific dialect, I will make an effort, but I will never do it just not, like, just unconsciously. Yeah, yeah, that's the same way. I think the accent really plays a part, part in it for me. Yeah, I don't know why. And obviously, if I'm listening to an audiobook, that's different. But if I'm just like reading, <laughs> I will say so. I voiced my first um, short story for Apex Magazine, um, the podcast. And it's very hard because you have to do different like voices and kind of accents for people. Yeah. And keeping those apart, I have a newfound respect for people who do audiobooks and like the keeping all those voices separate and stuff in your head is very difficult. Shout out to Will Wheaton. Shout out to Will Wheaton. Shout out to anyone who does audiobooks and stuff like that. That is a whole that is a whole thing that I did. Like I like was like, wow, this is way harder. And I'm doing like a ten page short story. Like that's and it was hard for me. You know, it's funny because I've been thinking about that because uh, I don't know we we haven't gotten to the point in my publishing process where we've talked about the audiobook yet. Oh yeah, and I'm like, I don't know if I want to read my own audiobook. Caitlin does hers. Caitlin, Caitlin Doty. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I like. I just saw a photo of her doing it. I actually don't know that for sure, but I did see a photo of her doing it, so I think that she does. I don't know. Oh, yeah. You should do a woman for sure. But I don't know. Yeah. I, I have know. some suggestions. I'll tell you off air. Uh, okay. <laughs> so if you want us to answer your reader question, you can send it to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. And speaking of Apex Magazine, remember me and Bria do a monthly column in Apex called Page Advice where we solve reader problems every month. You can check it out and subscribe at Apex Magazine, apex-magazine.com. It's only 22 bucks for the whole year. It's a really cool magazine full of cool stories. Are you trying to sneakily open a snack? No. <laughs> <laughs> what are you eating? I'm eating a peanut butter cup. <laughs> I don't know. I'm kind of tired. <laughs> Sorry. Go on about Apex Maxi. 
So if you like the show, you can uh, please rate and review us on iTunes. It's really great for us and helps us reach more readers. You can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at readinggpodcast, on Instagram at readingglassespodcast, and you can always follow along on our bookish adventures and snack adventures uh, using the general hashtag readingglassespodcast. Thanks for listening. And, and thanks, thanks for, for snacking reading. quietly. <laughs>